0: real quickly last week i talked about there's this battle that's going on and and it's it started with um well maybe it wasn't even the start but but it starts when we see in the new testament with jesus coming and um the booty of that initial battle of this war was for sin and for death it was god the father against satan the created being the fallen archangel and jesus God the son come to earth in the flesh to defeat and and take back from Satan what was his which was death and sin. Jesus did that. He did that by living a perfect sinless life which made him qualified to be the lamb of God that would be sacrificed for the sin of all mankind. Okay? All right. So the power of sin was broken. The power of the law, the power of sin was the law broken. <laughs> Now we have grace by faith through the work that was done in Jesus Christ. But the war's not over yet because the battle then rages now for the souls of men and women, right? So now Satan owns the eternities, so to speak, of, of people unless they choose Jesus Christ. So God, through the Holy Spirit, is drawing men unto his son and then ultimately back up to him. Satan, through lies and deception and and flesh and all these different things, is trying to draw men away from the Father. That's the the big battle that's going on. Now, the, the other battle that happens is that when a person chooses Jesus... see. Eternity didn't happen for us because Jesus defeated Satan with his perfect life. Eternity happens to us. The opportunity for eternity with God, you're going to have an eternity either way. It'll either be away from God in the place you don't want to be or with God in the place you do want to be, right? So, so that created opportunity. If we choose Jesus, we access that opportunity. And then this next battle begins to rage, which can you give me the... Um, the pictures i think it's it's number 2 there you go right there so so now th- here's the battle we're going to talk about today it's it's the battle this blue thing this box in the middle is a person that the the word at the top there is soul their soul is it, it, our soul is our mind our will and our emotions the tug from heaven and the tug from hell is to control your mind that will then Influence your emotions that will drive your will either to act like Jesus or to not act like Jesus. That's the battle that's going on back and forth. The idea is that by agreeing with God, the spirit side of that flesh-spirit equation will get huge, and the flesh side will get little to the place where if we would be fully invested in our minds, in Christ, in agreement with God, that the flesh becomes so weak that it has literally no place. But if we do the opposite, our spirit connected to the Holy Spirit has no voice, no real discernible voice that will help us back to the other way. So it really, really matters who you decide to agree with because you will empower who you agree with. You will will empower God for your benefit and for the benefit of his kingdom if you agree with him, and you will empower Satan to destroy your life, ultimately potentially your eternity, and enhance his kingdom if you agree with him. Okay, all right. That's the that's the quick background. The doorways that the enemy uses to. <laughs> the, the, it's cool to have an electronic notes, but the page never turns on its own when they're paper. <laughs> the The tools that the enemy uses to access us is our flesh. So. Um, I don't know why pornography is a thing that wants to always keep coming to my mind, but, but a lot of people struggle with pornography, so he'll find a way to flash an image in front of your eyes that will draw you or try to draw your flesh, the, the part of you that is fallen, your sinful nature, so to speak, into that, into that area where you'll walk down that path and do more. Okay, So it's our flesh... And then it's our tender hearts that the enemy tries to, to tug on. Those places that we have insecurities and fears, those are the ways. So, And I'm telling you this because I want you to be conscious. Your, your thought life is very much influenced by things that are not you. Matter of fact, my prayer to God is I don't care if I ever have an original thought of my own. For the rest of my life, I don't care. I want only kingdom thoughts in my mind. I don't want any thoughts from the enemy. And I don't trust my own. So I'd be happy with none of my own thoughts in my mind. But I'm telling you this because I want you to be aware that your enemy has been doing this for a long time. And he is a created being at the highest order of created beings in heaven before he fell and was cast out of heaven. He's good at what he does. All right? So when you feel yourself kind of drawing away from God, understand that he's trying to work you in those places where you're weak, your fears, your insecurities, in your flesh. How does he operate? Uh, John 10.10, uh, 10, the front half of that verse. The, thie- the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, there's, there's debate whether this thief is actually referencing Satan himself or a demonic force or if it's like a false prophet. Honestly, I don't care which one is right because if it's a false prophet, the source of his issue is the evil one, Right? So the thief comes only. His only thing he does is to come and to steal and kill and destroy. In John 8, verse 44, you are, this is Jesus, and he's addressing these religious people. So just to give you a little context, he says, he's not speaking to you necessarily. He's saying to them, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own very nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 gives us one more peek at at how the devil operates. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So he's a liar and he's a deceiver. Those are his tools. He has no other tools to use when he's trying to draw us away from the Lord he has no power to do that, but lies and deception. So it works for him when we come into agreement with his lies and we come into agreement with his deceptions and understand when that, when that attack comes, it doesn't come in the form of, a, of an ugly, nasty, demon-looking thing that you would run from. He comes to you as an angel of light, and he appeals to your mind in ways that kind of make sense to you. And if you don't know the difference between the ways of the world and the ways of the kingdom, you'll be easily drawn to come and agree with him, and you won 't even know that you 've done it, you have to be aware all right so quick today we 're going to talk about fortresses fortresses in the in the context of the scripture we 're going to talk about are thought patterns in our minds maybe maybe there 's a person somewhere and and uh the devil got their dad to speak over them that you're just a loser. You are never going to amount to anything. You're stupid and you're weak and you just have no value in this world. So then as that person goes through their life, they have had this, this, this thing in their mind that is truth to them. I'm useless. I mean, if you ever speak these words, you need to stop it because it's not from heaven. God created us for a purpose. It says in Ephesians that we were created for good works to do we are the workmanship of god so so this person who's had this curse spoken over them something good's about to happen somebody says you know what i think you'd be excellent and then the voice in their head starts to tell them "Ah, you're worthless you you're just gonna fail why even try that's what it sounds like he thinks, he's, he thinks it's his own thoughts. It's his perception. It's the devil has stolen his true identity, replaced it with a liar's identity, and now he's got this place in his mind. Can you put up the picture, the, for, um, the one with the cannon? It's probably the very first picture. There you go. So kind of, a, kind of a, a picture of a fortress. And I picked this one because it's got lots and lots of these stones with this strong mortar to hold them together, and it's got a big old cannon. See, when there's a spiritual battle that goes on in your mind... And the devil wins because you, you picked him? I don't, you didn't do it on purpose, but you picked him. Another brick goes in that wall, and another brick goes in that wall, and the mortar gets a little bit stronger. And pretty soon, if you're not careful, what you have is you have a place in your mind where the enemy has a foothold. He then has the ability to work shoot these cannonballs and start to try to tear down all the truth that would be in your mind that's really truth from heaven. That's what a fortress looks like. They don't necessarily get built big and strong all at once. They go together a brick and a brick and a brick at a time. And as as we tear them down, as the truth comes to replace the lie, it isn't always something that just happens. It's exposed because you have this pattern of thought that has to come down. So you have to constantly, constantly, constantly be reinforcing the truth so that brick by brick, by brick, that fortress comes down, and then you can build up one that's just as strong that represents truth, that really is truth. One of the best examples I can think of is, um, give me the next picture, please. That, that's an elephant's foot and a metal stake if you can't see it and a chain. It's, it's called the circus elephant syndrome, and basically what happens is when a circus buys an elephant, a little baby elephant, to be part of their show, very expensive, they have big cages and all these things, so they take that little elephant, and they, they put a chain around its ankle, and they drive a stake in the ground that's stronger than the little elephant's ability to escape from it. And as the little elephant tries to escape, sometimes the chain will rub and cut and cause his his skin to break open and bleed and create pain. And what's happening is he's being taught that you can't escape this chain that binds your ankle. It's too strong for you. An elephant can be 13 feet tall and can weigh as much as 24,000 pounds. That stake and that chain is not strong enough to hold that elephant Except it does. And why does it? Because he believes that it's stronger than his ability to get free. That's what a stronghold looks like in your mind. How your identity is affected. So let me just ask you some questions. Answer them if you want. You don't have to answer them. Do lies have power? Yes. Who gives power to a lie... What is the power of the lie? So you answered the first one. Yes, lies do have power. Who gives power to a lie? Who does? Amen. Yes. The power in the lie is given by us. And what is the power of the lie? Agreement. Absolutely right. The only power that a lie has over you is that you believe it. When the truth comes... I've seen this so many times ministering to people. This is who I am. No, it's not who you are. And you expose the lie, and you replace it with the truth, but the chain has been on for so long, and the lie, the fortress that's wrapped around that lie has become so big that they'll argue. You're a boy. No, I'm not. I'm a girl. You're a boy. No, I'm not. I'm a girl. No, really, you're a boy. I mean, I could prove it to you. It's No, I'm not. It's like it's that crazy that, they, that, that the lie is so strong, but the power of the lie is only in the fact that they believe it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 through 5 this is this is the crux of this whole thing with fortresses paul says for though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of god and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of christ so let's just kind of break this down a little bit at a time i'm going to take another scripture we, we read this one last week from ephesians chapter six to understand paul expands a little bit about the battle he says in second corinthians that our, our battle is not with the flesh that means it's it's not with each other so if, if you're in a literal battle you know an argument or whatever The source of that thing is not the person you're arguing with. The source of that thing is the influence of the liar who's gotten either you or them or both of you to believe something that's not true, to stir it up in your emotions and create this thing that's a battle. But if your focus stays on the flesh, on the person, you're like the guy who's got a terrible infection in his body and it's creating this bad fever and you take aspirin. Because you think if you can make the fever go away, you'll be better, but you won't be because you're dealt with the symptom and not with the root, which is the infection. See, if your anger is always pointed towards a person, you are never dealing with the root. The root is spirit. Lord, I understand that that person is doing me wrong, but your word says I should never return evil for evil, but I want to. What is it in me that needs to be healed, that needs to be exposed? Where's the lie? Where's the insecurity in my identity that causes me to be so threatened by what that person is doing that I would respond outside of your will? What is it, God? Because, see, when we respond inside God's will, it disarms the liar. Our battle is not with each other. In Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, Paul says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He is the enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan is your enemy. Satan is my enemy. Anybody that's the enemy of God is our enemy. It's Satan the evil influence, these powers and principalities, they're, they're strata. They're like corporals and lieutenants and captains and generals in Satan's army of demonic force. They're literal and they're real. That's the enemy. Our weapons are not earthly but divine. They're heavenly. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about what those weapons look like. Suffice it today to understand that we have weapons, And they're they're not even mere man weapons that we could conjure up in our flesh to try to fight this battle that's not flesh, that's spirit. They're heavenly that God has given us to use. We destroy speculations, lofty things, things that don't agree with the truth about God. Everything that would raise itself up to a true knowledge of God has to be cast down. So we know God to be good and loving, just and true. Any thought that says... You know, my person that I love died. My mom died uh, last year on um, Easter Sunday. The devil would have me to think that if that's a good God, how come he took my mom? How how did he let the one that I love so much die? But you know what? My mom was struggling, and it was merciful that God took her to heaven. So I'm not going to come into agreement with anything based upon a circumstance that would disagree with what the word says about God. He's a good God. And if he chose to take her, it was the right thing to do because he chose it because he loves her and he's good. Any speculation, any kind of thought, uh, the Lord's really been teaching Teresa and I, you know, a situation will happen and we'll be like, wow, you know, so-and-so must be blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, wait a minute, we don't know that. So that's a speculation. That's something that we have absolutely no knowledge of. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to give it any place in our minds because it's nothing more than mere speculation. Anything that stands up that doesn't agree with God goes. We take every thought captive and measure its obedience to Christ. Okay, now I will have all the lights, J.D. And then um, Jesus, will you come up here? Now, this isn't really Jesus, although Jesus does live inside of him, and he's an excellent representation. Will you stand right here? This square piece of stage represents my mind, okay? And because I have a knowledge of God through the study of the scriptures, I have a sense for what Jesus looks like. All right? Now, in my mind, all the time, there's stuff trying to go on. I mean, if you know me, it's like I get knocked off a track so easy sometimes. Um, but thoughts are going to try to come into my mind. Um, thought, will you come here, please? So I'm having this thought, and it's trying to get up into my mind, and it's actually penetrated my mind. It's present in my mind. You stand next to Jesus, please. See, this is literally what you have to do if you're going to win the battle for your mind. Stand closer. There you go. This is like Japan. We have really close personal space. I look at this thought, and I compare it to my knowledge of Jesus. Jesus. And in this case, you know, that's this white shirt right here, okay? And I say, all right, that thought right there stands obedience to Jesus. It gets to stay in my mind because it's going to produce fruit that's good for the kingdom of heaven. Okay, good thought? Come on and sit right here for just a minute. All right. Gary, I hate to say it, but come on up here. Here's another thought that comes into my mind. So this next thought comes into my mind, and it stands next to Jesus. And I evaluate that thought. And don't hug Jesus that hard. You're not a good thought. (laughs) (laughs) I look at that thought, and I compare that thought to what I know. And I say, hey, that that thought does not resemble what I know. That thought is in my mind only to create problems. That thought, you got to go. Out of my mind, out you go. Now, in real life, that's an excellent thought right there. But today, not so good. Um, Everett, come here. You're the next thought. Come on up here. Stand next to Jesus. That thought doesn't look like that thought, but that thought doesn't look like this thought. You don't get to stay. Out of my mind, you go. And I'm telling you, to get thoughts out of your mind, you have to work. I, <laughs> I've had situations in my life that, that have been very pleasurable in the, in the flesh that I'm very much not proud of in the spirit. And the devil will try to make me remember those things. And I'm telling you, when they come into my mind, for one second, it's like they've been there an hour. It's like I'm living them all over again. And, and the Lord has taught me how to battle those thoughts because they can't stay. Every second longer they're in my, in my mind, something bad is happening that I don't want to happen. I have to cast them. I'm going to teach you what the Lord taught me, not today. So for a week, you've got to battle a little harder. But you've got to battle with them. They're familiar thoughts oftentimes, very familiar thoughts But they can't stay if they don't look like Jesus. Um, Margie, come on up here. Stand next to Jesus. Okay, I get another thought in my mind. I look at that thought and I see the white shirt and the white shirt and I say that that thought gets to stay in my mind. Now, you thoughts come back up here again too. All, All my mind, oh, I'm so full of thoughts. My mind is all full of thoughts, lots of thoughts. Here's an important principle that you need to understand. Come on up there. I could pick any one of you people that's not wearing a white shirt. Oh, you're going up there. You're a good Jesus thought. Stand and corral those bad thoughts. There you go. Every one of you I could have picked out and had you come up and be a bad thought. You're all dressed differently, right? So even in this teaching, the devil might try to get you to have to think you need to understand. Okay, I have to be able to recognize what a bad thought looks like. You don't. I don't care if he's got on a... Whatever color sweater that is or whatever color jacket that is, I don't care if he's wearing a tie or or a suit coat. I don't care what color he is. It doesn't matter because I don't need to know. All I need to know is he ain't wearing a white shirt. And if he ain't wearing a white shirt, he doesn't get to stay. So don't trouble yourself spending one ounce of time or energy. You guys can sit down. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you very much. Don't spend one ounce of energy or time trying to identify what a bad thought might look like. Spend all your time learning what the good thought looks like, what the good thought, what Jesus looks like, so that whenever you have to make that decision of whether it gets a stay or it goes, you do it based upon your knowledge of God. It's a revelation maybe 12, 18 months ago that, that the Lord started to show me in the Word where there's so many times Paul talks about how important it is to know God. He prays over the church in Ephesus. He says that you might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I'm like, I want to have a knowledge of God, but I didn't understand what that is. It's all through the New Testament scriptures how important it is that we know God. And we have to know God because we have to have something real to compare things against so we'll know what we're going to allow into our minds and what we won't. What happens? The world, is, remember I told you that the enemy is a liar and he's a deceiver. So what happens if you think you're a Christian and you're not? What happens if your Jesus isn't really Jesus, right? I mean, there's people that go to church and they go to the, um, the homosexual-friendly church, the gay-friendly church, which I'm telling you, we are a gay-friendly church. If there's a person in here that, that has challenges and struggles with homosexuality, I love you. I love you like crazy because I know God loves you like crazy. But I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that it's okay to practice that thing. I'm not going to tell you that you don't actually have the urge or the desire. I don't know where it comes from. But what if you go to the church that tells you it's okay? What if you go to the church that says, you know, God's... His grace is greater than any sin you could ever commit. And I understand that adultery isn't, isn't you know, kind of some churches don't like it. But I'm here to tell you that because of God's mercy and his grace, we're going to call ourselves Swinger Church. And you do what you want. It's okay because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, because of God's love. What if your Jesus isn't really Jesus? What if there's deceptions, right? Let me read you some scripture. Scripture. Amen, sister. Brother, sorry. <laughs> when he's older, I'd never make that mistake. Sister. sister, oh, I was right. That must have been the spirit in me. <laughs> All right, back on track, Pat. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is, you, is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Luke eleven thirty three. 33, it's, it's basically the, Luke telling the same thing, but I love the way he says it here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it away in a cellar nor under a basket, but on the lampstand, so that those who enter may see the light. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. Now, the eye in this, in this scripture, it represents your understanding. So think about truth versus deception. If your understanding, if your eye is clear, If your understanding is true, the eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light and no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated as when the lamp illuminates you with its rays. How does the elephant get free? How do we get free? John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I've said it a thousand times. I hope I say it a thousand times more. God's given me incremental revelation here. The existence of truth does not make you free. The fact that Jesus defeated Satan does not make you saved. The existence of truth means that there's an opportunity. The Word says that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But I think it says even more. There's a, I didn't put it in my notes for today, but I think it's in First Timothy. It says, for those that know and believe the Word. So even even the knowledge of truth, if it's not acknowledged as truth, doesn't buy you anything. It's knowing and believing the truth that will cause you with your big, strong leg, to jerk that stake out of the ground and be free from the lie that's been holding you there. It's the only way. It's the, it, it's, it's the root. It's like I feel like a one-trick pony. you got to read your Bibles. Okay, what else should I do? Just read your Bibles. But there's got to be something else. There's got to be some super thing that you know, I can do. Where's the book that I read? The, you know, and, and they're great. Discipleship, Christian books, Awesome. You've got to read your Bible. Why? Because the devil is a liar and a deceiver, and the only truth is God's word, and you have to have something to stand it against. The illustration I didn't give you is, what if Jesus isn't standing here? What if you have no picture of Jesus? Then any thought gets to come in, and, and it's going to come and feel good, because it'll appeal to your emotions, or it'll appeal to your hurts. So that person, they did this thing to me, and it hurt me, and I and I think bad thoughts about them, and, and all this kind of stuff, and this poison and cancer is running around in your brain, because you've got no picture to look at. You've got to know the truth. You have to, by faith, believe it's true, and then you use that truth. When he tells us about this, the tools that we have, the weapons of our warfare, which are not fleshly or carnal or of this world, but are divine in nature, that are heavenly, he tells us about our sword. Only offensive weapon that we have is a sword. Everything else is a protection weapon. It's a helmet, it's a breastplate, it's a belt, it's 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 sandals, it's a shield. The offensive weapon we have is the sword. The sword is the spirit. It's the word of God, it's the truth as manifested in God's word. It's what we use to break the chains, to 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 defeat the lies and the deceptions of the enemy, but without the truth, you're lost. You're lost you got to know the truth you got to know the truth you have to be passionate to know the truth and if you're not passionate i don't think you fake it you ask god for passion i don't i don't always have passion to read my bible i just don't i mean i read it a lot and i like it i really do i didn't used to like it. i used to not understand any of it i don't understand the table of contents let alone any of the books i struck to ask teresa she'll tell you funny stories i mean i'm like wow this is weird stuff it doesn't matter that I'm smart or dumb. It doesn't matter that I'm a good reader or a bad reader. It matters that I read because Scripture says that, that you don't need really that anybody would teach you, but that this anointing that you have from heaven, which is God's Spirit, would lead you to all truth. But you won't know if it's Him leading you if you don't have some gauge to measure it against. So if you have no passion for the Word, then ask God to increase your passion. If your passion is for video games or, or watching movies or, or I don't know what it might be, then ask God to crucify that passion. You get permission in my life, God, to take this thing which is drawing me away from knowing your truth and get it out of my life because by myself I can't do it. And truthfully, you can't, right? If, If you had the ability to perfectly obey the law, then Jesus wasted a trip to the cross. You never had what it took. Only thing you have that's absolute is free will. You get to choose, And if you're not making good choices, then draw on the power that has everything you need to take you to that place where you need to go. If you're born again, if you're saved, He lives in you, and He's waiting. Bill Johnson uses this awesome statement that that the Holy Spirit is trapped in unbelieving believers. He wants out, not out because he doesn't want to be in you, but he wants out in the manifestation of his fruit. He wants out in the manifestation of the power that is in the kingdom of heaven to heal and to deliver and to save. We got a word Wednesday night. We were praying. We were asking the Holy Spirit for gifts. More like, Lord, you're. Book teaches us about all this stuff that we're not seeing, but your book is true. So the problem isn't you, it's us. Lord, help us to manifest the gifts of your Holy Spirit. And we got a bunch of really excellent words where the Lord was talking to us. One of them was, there's no power because you're not doing anything. Jesus said to the disciples, just before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he said, now you're to go into Jerusalem and wait until the power has come upon you. And this power that's gonna come upon you is to be my witness, that you would be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the outermost places of the world. Some of us aren't even witnessing to our husbands and our wives and our children, let alone all these other places that need to hear about Jesus. So we we got an answer to our prayer. It's like, if we want that power to manifest, we have to use it, we have to be pointing it towards the objectives of heaven. That's why we're reading that Great Commission every week, that we would understand that we're to go and that he's going to be with us always. All right, that's it. Just right where you're at, in your own silent way. Maybe, is Isaac here? You got a word, something? Okay. Wow, I'm all sweaty. Or that oil that you rubbed on me has got me glistening. but I'm feeling pretty cranked up right now. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, passionate. I just want to add one thing. Pat is so adamant about us reading reading the Word, reading the Word, reading the Word. And the reason he's adamant about it is the Word just isn't a book. The Word is Jesus Christ. Spirit. The Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. If you don't read the Word, you don't know who they are.
0: And you don't know who you are.
1: And you don't know who you are. So when you read the Word, you... You are investing in relationship. God is real. Brianna, is God real? real. Yeah. (laughs) Tiffany, wherever she is, God real? I bet she'd say yes. You're investing in a relationship, and as you're reading the word, you are coming to an understanding and a revelation of who your heavenly father is, who Jesus is as your brother, who Holy Spirit is as your helper and your counselor. It's a relationship, and they're real. They're very, very real. It's not just words in a book. It's a relationship. It's a living, breathing, walking relationship. I just want to add that.
0: Okay. Um, Could I have the whole worship team back? I've been trying so hard to, to, I mean, I, I don't care if it's really the Lord, if we kept you here all day long, but... I don't want it to be long time and it's not the Lord, but we've had this song. It's what stirred up this thing about breaking chains, and it's been in our pocket every week. um, It's in our pocket, right, Isaac? Yeah, yeah. It's been in our pocket every week, and I just think maybe let's close today's service and we'll sing this song together and then we'll go home, okay? All right. Father, thank you for for your truth, Lord. I'm I'm praying for every person in this church that would agree with me. Increase our passion for you, Lord. Increase our passion for you. Help us, Lord, with that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might have greater knowledge of you, Lord, especially in the area of your love for us, Lord, because that's where the devil tries to attack us, is that we're not loved, Lord, that we would be true in our identity to what you say and not what the liar says. Thank you so much, God. We honor you and we worship you as God. And we pray always, oh, I forgot to take the offering again. (laughs) So there's baskets up here. Before you go home, if you brought some, drop it in the basket. We pray in Jesus' name.